Welcome to Werewolf the Podcast, a retrospective podcast about Werewolf the Apocalypse. Welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. I am your host, Josh Heath, and today we are going to be reviewing tribe book Silent Striders. But before I get into the Silent Strider book, I'm going to talk real quick about the Shadow Lords information that I didn't get a chance to put out in the Galliard Rants episode. So, the core information is that um, the Shadow Lords Tribook was written by Brian Campbell. Development was done by both Bill Bridges and Ethan Skemp, um, editing by Ronnie Radner, and uh, this is, I think, the leap up in promotion for Rich Thomas as Vice President in Charge of Production. And then you've got Art Direction by Lawrence Snelly and Eileen E. Mills, and the comic book art by Alex Shakeman, and art within the book by Andrew Bates, Mike Cheney, James Daly, Matt Milberger, Steve Prescott, and Dan Smith, with a back cover art being done by Joshua Gabriel Timbrook. And I think the only thing I want to add to the Shadow Lords information that I didn't get to in the Galliard Grants episode of that book was that the characters that are presented in the final sections in the um, character concept and the notable figures are really well done uh, for one of these, you know, tribe books. And if there was kind of like a single thing that I was like, you know, this is a good thing or a bad thing, I would say that, like, that's one of the highlights of the, um, Shadow Lord book, um, is the, um, the notable, uh, figures in, uh, I think it's Appendix 3, but also the character concepts really do give you the range of Shadow Lord options here. One of them's the egotistical spy, which I think is just a on-point concept for the Shadow Lords, so something that I would definitely recommend looking into if that's something that you're interested, just kind of seeing, okay, what are the different concepts that fit this tribe? You're definitely on point uh, by catching that, uh, that element in this book. But the main review we're going to be doing, and back to our kind of traditional format, is tribe book Silent Striders. Silent Striders came out in 1996, and like the other uh, books in this series, there's a comic at the beginning that gives you a real strong sense of what the tribe is about, and it ties into Wraith and the concepts uh, behind Wraith, and I think right around when this came out, Wraith First Edition was just hitting the market. So it's very good, um, it's very good timing for tying in the tribe that has connections to the spirit world, timed very well to coincide with the release of Wraith and pulling in elements from Wraith, which is, it's good when White Wolf does that, I think. I, I, I've always enjoyed when they tie in those various elements. I think it seems very organic. Sometimes it feels forced, but in this particular book, particularly um, with the writing by Ethan Skemp and Robert Hatch, 
it's definitely on point. They do specifically note that they had an Egyptian or research specifically on Egyptian elements, which the Silent Striders are tied to by Ellen Brundage. And I think that speaks to at least the attempts that White Wolf has done throughout its history to try and find people with in-group knowledge or at least with significant research in a culture to give feedback. And I think sometimes they've done that poorly and sometimes they've done it better than in some ways better than we give them credit for now 20 years on at the time doing this was a lot more difficult than it is today it's a lot more it was a lot more difficult in the early to mid 90s to find someone that was part of a group that you wanted to write out uh, about and I say that to give them a little bit of leeway for when they get things wrong or when they touch on things in a way that's not particularly well done. But I think in this case, since the silent striders are tied to ancient Egypt and not modern Egyptian and Islamic culture, it does give them a little bit of a pass from a distance perspective from the culture they're connecting to and talking about. This book, um, as I mentioned, written by Ethan Skemp and Robert Hatch, developed by Ethan Skemp because he had come on as the main developer at this point. Ken Cliff was the editor. Rich Thomas is the VP in charge of production. Art directors Eileen Mills, Lawrence Snelly. Art by Andrew Bates, James Daly, Anthony Hightower, Matt Milberger, Alex Shakeman, and Jack Kiefer. The comic book art is done by Steve Prescott. Cover art, Joshua Gabriel Timbrook. And the cover design by Eileen E. Mills. This is a good try book. Um, I don't think I would say it's as good as the Shadow Lords try book was, but that's not meant as like a, oh no, it's not as good as that. It's still a pretty solid try book. The Silent Striders to me are one of the more interesting tribes, but also the the strangest because the way they are presented is... It, they clearly wanted to have an Egyptian-based culture within the game that made sense. You know, they have, they have the followers of Set and in Vampire. The problem is, of course, with that is that Set and the different iconic imagery they tie into Set aren't completely accurate to the Egyptian god Set and those different elements there, but it's still interesting to have those layered in there. And they do something similar with the Silent Striders. They say, okay, what if there were a tribe of wolves in and with a connection to Egypt, but they can't they can't be there anymore. They have lost their connection to their ancestors. And I think there's something there. There's a kernel of sense of there's something interesting about Egyptology and the reclamation of ancient civilizations and ancient religions at play that speaks to something particularly in the American um, psyche. The sense of needing to be connected, connected or connecting to one's culture that one's ancestors connected to. We have some problems, I would say, in America with a sense of over-connection uh, to the diasporic cultures, particularly white Americans have this sense of, oh, I am Irish or German or English or etc. And they almost overly 
emphasize their link to that. And of course, we have uh, the African American perspective in the United States, which because of slavery, African-Americans were disconnected from their direct ancestry so often and have a sense of, of honest loss and like frustrations from a lack of understanding of which particular cultures they may have been at one point connected to through their ancestors. And I think that Egyptology and a sense of connection to Egypt and to other <coughs> pre-Christian religions around the world, we have a lot of those, uh, a lot of interest in those spaces because of that need for connection to a previous culture that we see throughout uh, American societal mentalities, and I think the Silent Striders touch on that by not having a direct connection to their ancestors. White Wolf is, I think, in some ways intentionally, and maybe even unintentionally, drawing parallels to those stories um, for American audiences in particular, because you've got to understand, most people, particularly at this era that were buying and reading these games, were either Americans or the writers were, and the writers were kind of assuming that the larger majority of their purchase base, purchaser base, I don't know what the right term there would be, um, their clientele, their um, customers, their market, were Americans, or at least uh, understanding of American culture. So we've got to at least give some allowance for reading these books through that lens. So all of that to say that the Silent Striders are an Egyptian tribe that cannot go home. They cannot go back to Egypt because of a curse set upon them by set maybe I should have used a different word there, but placed on them by set. And that creates this sense of of disconnection from everything that makes Geru what they are, this connection to their ancestral lineages, this connection to life and health and vitality. And the Silent Striders are oftentimes the opposite of that. They are chased by wraiths. They are haunted by ghosts. They cannot escape the sense that they are perpetually victims and unable to settle. And so they often are lone wolves. And a lot of their imagery is that of the jackal, but and a connection to Anubis, but they are actually uh, supposedly connected to a specific type of wolf that is found in Egypt and North Africa, which is interesting. It's interesting to make that note, make those connections, and if you want to do research into what those types of wolves are and things like that, you can definitely do so. I find the history of the Silent Striders tied into Egyptian myth, tied into the um, Gaian sort of um, mythology of werewolves, the classic Garu mythology, very intriguing. It's very well put together in this book, and it's not perfect. There are things in here that are problematic. There's always a problem when White Wolf decides to make any sort of connection to the Rom and Romani, and particularly they try to 
dovetail a sort of connection to the Rom and the mistaking connection to Egypt that the Romani were given in here. Now, it can be slightly forgiven, I think, that they did that with a background sort of way of, of connecting it all and saying, oh, the silent striders are sometimes found within Rom groups, they're travelers, they're messengers, and then, of course, because their Egypt connection, well, it gets complicated. It's not well done. Again, whenever White Wolf does this, I just want to kind of go, no, just please leave the Romany alone and don't dive into trying to make connections between them and different supernatural groups. It doesn't help anybody. Uh, it actually pulls away from potential good stories that you could really spend a lot of time diving into if given the chance. Uh, it does spend some interesting time talking about the impacts of Egyptology and the invasions of Egypt that happened, both by Britain, by other cultures within the um, in the Arabian Peninsula, by Germany in World War II. These things are interesting tie-ins. They're not perfect. They're not as deep as they could possibly be, but at least there's there's an attempt to kind of look at history and go, what is potentially interesting about that and about Egypt that we can draw in? Of course, the problem with that is that the Silent Striders are only sort of tangentially connected to Egypt at this point. They're connected to ancient Egypt. They're connected to the traditional pre-Islamic, pre-Christian faith that was present in Egypt, which is entirely different from modern Egyptian culture, except that modern Egyptian culture spends a lot of time reinforcing the fact that they are a grand civilization that has existed for thousands of years longer than any other civilization, and you better believe that the leadership in Egypt today knows when, where, and how to make connections to that pre-Islamic culture to reinforce their power and reinforce their identity, which happens to be an area that I've spent some time talking about and researching, and I wrote an entire paper about what the destruction and connection to artifacts can be can do for a cultural identity within, particularly within Islamic countries. However, I will not force you all to listen to a diatribe on that too much already probably spent too much time on it. The truth is that the Silent Striders, as being this disconnected group of Garu, act as a liminal messenger service. They can, they often are the ones that move between septs intentionally to uh, bring stories and bring messages from sept to sept to sept. And they do that because, one, they don't want to be harassed by ghosts, so they try to get ahead of their ghosts, and two, they're trying ultimately to figure out how to return home, how to connect again with their ancestors. What is it that they can do to bridge the curse that they that has been foisted upon them while at the same time keeping a deep connection to a culture that then essentially they are no longer directly tied to? What I don't know about, and this is where it gets weird, because 
Geru have the usually have this like ethnic element to them. There's sort of this like hand wave towards that the silent striders are ethnically attached to people from Egypt, but most of the images for them in here are white and pretty clearly white. So it makes me wonder, like, okay, where are they going there? And of course, many Egyptians consider themselves white as well, because that's a concept that is very difficult to pin down, particularly when we talk about the Middle East. But I would say the majority of the uh, the Hamid images in here don't speak to me of people of Egyptian descent, but that may be neither here nor there because you've got this question of, well, who are the silent striders having children with these days because they're not able to go to Egypt? So are they only present within the North African diasporas around the world? It's very vaguely defined, and that's fine. I actually kind of like it that maybe they don't dive into that super deeply. On another level, I'd be like, maybe you could address that straight up a little bit more effectively, and it might be helpful to kind of understanding what the life of these characters really would be before they become werewolves. And you've got some good information on wraiths and other things like that in this book that I you haven't seen in any other werewolf book up until this point. So it gives you those linkages to that game. Either if you have it, if you don't have it, it gives you enough to work with it if you want to make those connections. I think the merits and flaws and the gifts in this book are particularly appropriate. One of the um, flaws that's in here is a four-point flaw, freak magnet. Bearing in mind, maybe we wouldn't use that particular term right now, but you attract the very worst sorts of ghosts. Thus, when your haunted weakness comes into play, the ghost attracted to you is always a specter, which, in wraith terminology, is like the negative version of the of a ghost, to be very, like, reductionist of it. They effectively are a bane for the dark umbra, and that's horrifying. You're basically being chased around by horrible creatures, it's bad enough being haunted by regular ghosts, but now you're getting haunted by ghosts that want to destroy all of all of society, all of the world. That makes it maybe a little bit worse. And of course you have totems in here that are tied to the ancient Egyptian elements. Uh, crocodile, sphinx, ibis, different things like that. And you have the character concept uh, suggestions. This is one of the... I, I, I don't think they're all bad. Um, I think they're sort of interesting, but it speaks to this, like, what sort of connections are th- this tribe making? You know, who are these tribe having children with? Uh, who are their kinfolk? And it, it's all over the place, which which is fine. It Again... None of the character images in here are people of North African descent or anything like that. So it makes me go, ugh, if you had made that connection, it might have, like, just, it would have been easier to do it a little bit more quickly. Um, that said, there's lots of cool stuff here. So it's this 
I've found, find myself in this conflicted battle of representation matters, but the types of stories being told here are good ones that people can lean into, and I'm, I know that the revised book does a little bit better job of being more representative in the imagery used. So you've got to at least accept it for what it is and decide you know, whether or not you're going to let that impact too much um, your kind of view of the, um, of the tribe and the different like, storytelling elements that you are offered by this tribe book. All in all, I would say it's particularly good for the era and for this first group of tribe books. And you can see that the writing and the cultural sensitivity of White Wolf is leaning, is starting to lean even more toward a more balanced sort of view at this stage in uh, in their writing. And there's definitely growth. There's definitely an understanding of what do people want in the products that we're creating. How do we write a little bit more broadly? How do we high-end mythological cycles? How do we build in real world and our world elements and blend them in a little bit more um, nuanced and uh, approachable ways? And I think that's valuable. So if I were to run some stories with the Silent Striders, the first thing to consider is that it would be very unlikely to have five Silent Striders in the same place at the same time. So if you were to create an entire pack of Silent Striders that had specific missions, them simply being together would be a noteworthy moment, and it would be commented on by other Garu in the nation, and that's potentially a good thing. The thing that I would do with that is I would lean into it and say that there these five Geru are destined to break the curse that is preventing them from seeking out their ancestors, from connecting to them. They are the Geru that are going to break the curse that keeps them out of Egypt. Give them that. And then if they can't fulfill it, for whatever reason in game, that's okay. But they are fated to do so. And the awesome thing about the World of Darkness is, yes, hope is an element, and fate that supposedly they will do the good thing is great, but sometimes prophecies fail, and the players might not succeed at what they're supposed to be doing. But maybe it's their sacrifice that breaks the curse, or maybe they just don't pull it off. I think that could be some interesting stories. Uh, Particularly with the Silent Striders, there's an element of yes, pushing to do the thing that will save them as a tribe, but maybe not having it work, that does have a sort of like resonance for what they're going for um, in some of what their writing write-ups are. The other thing that I would do with a Silent Strider plot is tie them into Casablanca. There's a uh, cairn there. It's one of the major cairns in the world called the Wheel of Ptah. And that cairn is 
to me one of the most interesting because it's this hub network connection throughout the entire Garu Nation. It is a rank 5 cairn, very important, very like central to the Silent Striders mentality. It's their outpost as close as they can get to Egypt where they control it. They have this uh, ability to really say, this is our space. And I would threaten that and say, the followers of Set have discovered the cairn and they have decided that they're going to destroy it. Um, and maybe they're destroying it because they have discovered that either a really powerful antediluvian is buried underneath the cairn and or Set himself is buried underneath it. For me, with the Silent Striders in particular, the plots that I would develop for them are epic. They are huge. They are world-shattering because the mythological cycles that they are tied into are big and world-shattering. So don't be afraid to lean into those elements. The other thing you can always do, the sort of basic Silent Strider story you can tell, is the messenger tale. And perhaps there is just one or two Silent Striders in your group, and they want to, and you give them little extra story bits where you say, This Wraith comes to you and says, I need you to do this for me, and I will not leave you alone until you do. And so they do. And it gives you those little, like, there's extra feelers, extra, like, I don't want to say angst, but extra elements that you can draw in either a greater plot that you're trying to utilize and or just these moments of reflective role play for the player of that character to really dive into and figure out and determine what does it mean to be a silent strider in this world? What will that be like? So... Those are kind of the things that I would do with the Silent Striders off the top of my head. I'm sure there are lots of other really cool plots that you can do. I know for a fact there, there, there are lots of other cool plots you can do with the Silent Striders. So definitely consider looking into uh, the book, look into the tri-book. You can get it on DriveThruRPG. And um, I think I would recommend that folks that are interested in learning more about the Silent Striders should look into the Book of Cairns for the Wheel of Ptah, um, and or some of the W20 books that have, uh, I believe it's A World of Rage is the W20 book, very good one to use for that, and of course the revised Silent Striders book is also really good, but I would say it's worthwhile to read this particular one. Um, certainly wouldn't hurt, it gives you a full view of the evolution of how the tribe was presented, so... There you go. This has been another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. I am your host, Josh Heath, and I hope that you come back again next time. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want. Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called 
Great Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.